a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Don't answer the phone with an exclamation mark. Don't forget that. Uh, managed to do relatively well in the box office, mainly because it got a wide theatrical release. That's despite the fact that it's a fairly grubby and quite cheap looking in fairness. Um, slasher movie. It was originally called The Hollywood Strangler and that kind of fits more in terms of what we're actually going to see. Uh, a bloke, uh, numerous scenes of a man kind of uh, frostling uh, topless women. As such, it um, sits as kind of a drive-in, sleazy kind of movie for a late night. But where it kind of is far more interesting is sites of um, a rundown Hollywood um, and uh, also a, a really interesting central performance really OTT and extreme don't answer the phone when it was released you'll be unsurprised to hear from what I've just said it did not get the greatest of responses from the critics but there's uh, something about it which probably despite the fact that it yet again battles for the world's worst investigative uh, detective prize still manages to uh, be relatively compelling run if you must. Hello, operator. It's an emergency. Can you help me? Hide if you can. Scream if you are able. Who's there? But above all, if you are alone, don't answer the phone. He is out there, somewhere in the crowd. Behind you, beside you, ready to kill again. No attempt to conceal the body. It's almost like he wanted to be discovered. The nurse, the mom, the starlet, the student, the secretary. I am frightened of you. What does that do to you? You recognize this person? Because I'm too strong. He had done it before. He would do it again. He is doing it now. Don't answer the phone. So as mentioned, the movie actually kind of punches a bit above its weight. It shared at one point a double bill with um, When a Stranger Calls from 1979, uh, a movie which is definitely far more of a classically interesting horror film. You know, it's not it's not quite so sleazy, shall we say. When Crown International Pictures 
originally picked up Hollywood Strangler, they uh, used the phrase "Don't answer the phone" to re- to replace it. Even though, really, in truth, unsurprisingly, that isn't very useful. Our uh, our killer doesn't use the phone at all, really, but did fit in with a. Uh, a number of films that start with the word don't, which we've covered in the past as well, such as Don't Go in the Basement, and of course, you know, um, also as well, um, reminded of when we talk about um, Grant House, the um, Tarantino um, Rodriguez double bill film with the, 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 the trailer Don't in the title as well, which uh, an allusion to the fact that these these films were, were frequently uh, retitled with this kind of thing, which would, which would sell well and kind of give an indicator in terms of what people would see. Which is, a I wouldn't say a shame, but not that surprising. But, um, but certainly the word Hollywood Strangler would be a far clearer indicator of what we'd be getting into. So the film is about a, um, a Vietnam vet who's a bodybuilder. It's a big lad. He also is a pornographic photographer called Kirk Smith, who's a little crazy. And he stalks the streets of LA, picking up young women and strangling them in, a, in quite a grim fashion. Uh, and then has sex with the dead bodies. Now, um, we certainly see the uh, the half-naked women being strangled, but luckily the necrophilia is left off screen. Indeed, those scenes tend to be covered as in the "What did he do?" scenes were always covered uh, afterwards by these, uh, these, these a couple of pair of coppers who kind of um, describe in quite lurid detail exactly what what your man gets up to. And the film settles pretty comfortably in its ninety odd minute runtime between seeing our um, our guy um, alternate between killing people calling up a, a radio host um, in a semi-mocking fashion to kind of um, allude to his, his crimes. I think he thinks he's a clever lad. And then these kind of conversations with the coppers desperately trying to solve the case in what can only be described as a pretty poor fashion, even by um, 70s cop movie standards. And indeed, when we go into... Well, you know, th- th- that is kind of it. It's, you, know, you could write it on the back of, a, of, a, of an envelope in terms of the the, the you know it's fag packet I suppose writing really, um, and certainly the, the the key elements of this, including its most uh, incredible uh, closing line of adios creep, which apparently was improvised, was done quick and dirty and fast in, in and around LA in 1979. The concepts and the ideas were all done to a point that they were actually shot kind of guerrilla style without permits outside for a lot of the shooting which was done in, in, in a period of 18 days anyway so when we see um, our man Kirk Smith played by Nicholas Worth who um, spends a fair chunk of his time kind of stomping around and looking aggrieved and, and the, the film's being shot from like over from the clearly from the other side of the street probably because they're about to if there's any problems hot tailor out of there it has a I wouldn't say an act of realism but Nicholas Worth is very much enjoying the role and kind of accelerating the stuff indeed he um, also as well as doing uh, doing you know kind of letting on to people basically there's this incredible scene where he's walking down Sunset Boulevard and it's you know it, it's Fantastic in terms of what you can see because it's so grotty and old and tired. And he's like letting on to some hard woman on the street going, I am miss. And the woman's just like, 
the fuck? And it, and it kind of keeps on going. And clearly that woman has no idea that she's immortalised on film at that point, um, or, or, or indeed ever. Um, and, you know, he propositions, you know, who are actresses and actors from the other side of the street, and it, it kind of adds a, there's a, a certain um, visceral kind of allure to it. It seems a lot more... Um, a cynical kind of way to do it but it does kind of attract the eye and kind of you know catch the attention it's uh it's fun and it feels a little bit dangerous and i'm sure they had a great time doing it with himself apparently was was more than happy to do um plenty of his um interviews his interviews his his acting um ad-libbed and added a lot of scripts himself He's a big lad as well, so he served three years as an army paratrooper, which almost certainly helped to start this career. Um, and he's, he's best known for these kind of um, physical roles. So he's also played a, a, a rapist in the TV movie The Rape of Richard Beck um, and appeared in various bits and bobs as well, including um, City Heat, Swamp Thing, The Ladies Club, you know, he's a tough guy player, he's a baddie in Hell Comes to Frog Town, you know, you know exactly the type of person and the type of man he was he was doing. You know, using his physicality. And in this case, having a lot of fun with it as well. What we are unable to see with this, however, is the fact that it is you know, I mean obviously everyone's had a lovely time making it, but it is fairly grotty, in fairness. And indeed, apparently, it was being inspired by some murders, including, um, you know, all that kind of stuff as well, which obviously is always used to kind of um, G up a bit more interest in the film. Director and writer Robert Hammer was a one-shot filmmaker. This is the only film he made. Um, he was a photographer and had military background as well, which slightly alarmingly does reflect on what the killer's like in this. And once the film had come out, Hammer went through a very variety of different development deals with Crown International, but none of those films actually came about. Uh, and he ended up working as a financial officer for tech firms and uh, kind of got into a very different career path than what he was when he was kind of you know, asking these models to take their clothes off while a big fella strangles them um, as he was at this stage. Certainly the film itself um, would struggle um, and, and, and has had plenty of censorship and that is almost certainly due to the the rather depressing um, thread of misogyny which uh, which does permeate um, much of what what we're looking at here in fairness. Considering everything I've just said in the kind of hammer blow style, levels of sort of see that run offer, it isn't surprising that the reception for the movie wasn't particularly great. Vincent Canby from the New York Times felt the film was nasty, dimly executed exploitation movie about a psychopathic fellow who roams around Los Angeles, strangling women with stockings and then mutilating their bodies. He's not wrong on that front. The performances are terrible, bit harsh, as are the writing and the direction. Yeah, bit harsh. It's not that bad. Although, as I say, the you know it, the, the subtleties are, aren't on display, shall we say? That said, and despite a very low Rotten Tomatoes score, the movie does have a, uh, a cult following, which is clear and obvious, and you know, fair play. And also, as I said, with the misogyny, there's 
you you could you can flip that around and say you know it's um there's nothing wrong with like in sleazy movies and this is one of the ones that is is sleazy but um you know nonetheless even modern day reviews um note that it's uh, hot less than subtle and, and potentially also kind of has a has a tone which uh, suggests that points that it's the women's fault which uh, doesn't help its uh, cause any The movie has had a right old fun time with censorship over the years, perhaps unsurprisingly. The um, the vision that was actually released in 1981 on VHS in the UK was almost certainly the theatrical cut version. Um, so there was about a minute's worth of cuts made by the BBFC to the unrated version, which were around... Um, women being bound having their clothes cut effectively the scenes of naked women being strangled were all unsurprisingly uh, sliced from the film there's an R, a cut, there's an R-rated version of the movie as well which has a number of um, a number of additional cuts around it um, the film is cut for violence, beauty, sexual violence and bad language um, and kind of sits round about um, phew, nearly nearly seven or eight minutes, maybe up to nine minutes shorter. Certainly not for most. And indeed, it has popped up in various versions through the years as that the R-rated cut version. In the UK, we have had a cut, an uncut version of the movie. Um, in the US there has been um, certainly there's been um, a bit more love given to the film than there has been over here um, and, a, um, and a release on Blu-ray um, which is by Vinegar Syndrome which is uh, as bad as loving as that film will ever receive the film also has um, a very heavily cut UK release um, with uh, nine minutes cut out of it as mentioned which is the R-rated cut plus a little bit more as well and that came out in uh, 2005 basically what I'm saying is keep well well away from UK versions particularly ones on DVD instead um, those uh, the film is actually available uncut in the UK currently on Plex, which is a, a streaming web service, which will mean that if you can stomach the interruptions for of for random smash interruptions for uh, adverts, um, you can see it in its uncut glory uh, in a slightly grotty looking version, but still certainly serviceable uh, cut the film. And, and as I say, un, you know, with everything in there already. Again, as we go into the um, and like like a lot of exploitation films that we've spoken about the last few weeks, the the film was actually released with a an, a booklet, kind of an exploitation manual to kind of drum up his business for the film. So, um, kind of and all playing along with the um, the idea of you know mobile telef- not mobile phone telephone um, gags to kind of do it so buy up radio time with stations that like telephone promos and phone-ins and kind of get them to tie in with a film called Don't Answer the Phone that kind of thing the film itself 
did reasonably well. It grossed two million dollars for something that cost will have almost certainly cost a lot less. And the film, well, from a creator point of view, I suppose, Nicholas Wirtz's rather extreme and unusual performance kind of does elevate it beyond its kind of slightly more grotty um, ideas, you know. Don't move. Don't move or I'll smack you. I'll smack you! Shut up! These are man's wedding bracelets. You're being so cooperative. Why are you? Why are you trying to make me afraid of you? I am frightened of you. What does that do to you? How does it make you feel? Great happiness. You are the great prize. Go out there and tear your chin off. Shut up. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonazispodcast at gmail.com. Get me twittered at orange underscore monkey, or can you, you can leave a comment on either of the websites, videonazispodcast.com or thelasthorrorpodcast.com, as did Tony from the, um, the Video Nasties, Nasty, the Video Nasty Project, um, which is a YouTube channel which go, does very some similar to what, what I do where a group of people get together and they discuss each of the films. Tony says, Enjoy is not quite the word I would use for Mark of the Devil, but it was quite good with Lam and Kier really working well together. Don't answer the phone, on the other hand, I really enjoyed. Nicholas Wirth totally crushes the bad guy role in that flick and has great chemistry with the female lead. Plus, it's always fun to see movies set in the sleazy, dangerous LA of the late 70s, a totally different kind of sleazy and dangerous that you get from movies set on 42nd Street. Absolutely, and I think it's really interesting. I think you know, you think about this, and you put it, you can you know you compare it to Headless Eyes, both shot in a similar style in terms of you know gorilla on the streets and getting people you know people on the streets involved and kind of trying to it kind of they're very far more organic, but uh, but in this you know in this case it does feel it has very different feel to to the two things, and I, I think there's a real benefit to that in the storytelling. And thanks again to Tony. If you say if you if you if you Google um, video nasty project, um, there's a huge reserve of, of great stuff on their YouTube channel um, as they kind of go through anything. It's a really 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 great variety of, of, of good quality content on there. I would recommend if you. Um, Anyway, yeah, so as I say, always happy to discuss anything if anyone wants to be get in contact. Um, next week, we're going to go back yet again. And we're still not finished on the Jess Franco, but we're back to Jess Franco with the erotic rights of Frankenstein, uh, which has had a reasonably well, recent, very nice release. Um, so look forward to talk to you about that film. Um a bit of fun again from Franco. Nothing, nothing, unsurprisingly, nothing too serious. So, uh, also as well, there will be an additional podcast on the other feed that I do, the last horror podcast.com, uh, the, the last horror podcast, I should say, around. Um, I went through after Romero's death and did like a film by film deep dive analysis. Obviously, Shudder has released the lost film, the, the amusement park. Uh, over the week so um, I'm going to do a separate one for that and that will slot in narratively if not you know 
because I won't just drop it in the middle of the, of the podcast. It'll be have to come out separately. But I mean, from a narrative point of view, it will just slip in in terms of the the flow of what 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 Romero was doing at the time. It sits for those that are, are interested. It's it, he made it round about season of the witch. It's that point, and uh, very excited as well. Um, as not only because um, you know the, the number, how many lost Romero films are there still? You know, it, it's I find it brilliant that he, even now, after all this time, you know, and, and the internet and stuff, he, and you know, he's being so long gone. Like you know, there's still little nuggets you can learn and more you can discover about him. You know, as, as I've said many times, he is one of my favourite filmmakers. Anyway, enough gushing about Romero. I've got plenty of time to do that this week. So, until we return to talk about Jeff Franco, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.